Join me this morning, if you will, in your Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The last couple of weeks we've talked about the strength that we need to make it in this coming year after coming off uh, 20, the year 2020, one that we will never forget. And we've talked about the, the, the sides that strengthen the three three sides uh, that, that give us that strength. You know, when I was, when I was growing up, I, I grew up in Shamrock. And my daddy was chief of police of Shamrock. And, and it, it, we lived during a time when if we were at home, then we just took off somewhere. We would go to someone's house or uh, I w- could go clear across town or uh, be on this side or on, on this side. And our mother and daddy never didn't worry about us. We knew, we knew what time we were supposed to be home. And we watched that. But other than that, we were here and we were there. And, and really, uh, they didn't care. The only, the only thing that, that Kelly and I learned through the years was our dad wore a little uh, Stetson hat. had a small brim on it. And if we saw him any time during the day, if he had his hat up on kind of on the back of his head, he just looked at us and, and we knew everything was okay. But if we saw him and he was coming down the street and his hat was down here and he didn't look at us, we went home. Because things, things weren't good and we didn't know if he was mad at us or if he was mad at him. That, that was the only fear that we had in that little town where we grew up. And then we look at today's time and, and people, kids don't get to do that anymore. They can't just run and go and play and, and go over here and go over there. The traffic is, is a lot heavier, of course. And so, you know, children have to watch the traffic. But it's, it's so many other uh, things that cause uh, people to want to make sure that they know every minute where their child is. You've even got an app that you can put on your phone and it'll trace your kids all around. Boy, I'm glad we didn't have that stuff when I was a kid. I don't want to track my kids. I want to trust my kids. But I understand, I understand the app. I understand the use of it. I get it. But do you know why that so much has changed and that kids can't go very far down the block or or they can't go down the street a little ways or they can't just get on their bike and go over here or go over there? And you say, well, it's it's because of the changing times and and all of these other things. No, the, the problem is fear. It's fear. We're afraid for them. We're afraid that, that someone could hurt them. We're, we're afraid that something could happen to them. We are uh, more afraid than I guess, I guess we used to be. 
I, I remember when even when my kids were small, uh, I really didn't want them going very far away. I wanted to know kind of what direction they were and where they were. And it's even gotten, it's gotten worse. And it's all because of this, this little thing called fear. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that when, when God designed us, He designed fear in us. And when you think about the fear that, that God has placed in us, and, and then we're going to read a, a, a verse here in a minute uh, talking about that fear and, the, and the, what's inside of us. One of the things we have to understand is that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, there was no fear. They were not afraid of each other. They were not afraid of the animals. They were not afraid of the garden. They were not afraid of anything that was in there. It was only after Eve and Adam had the fruit, sinned against God, and then the Scripture says they were afraid. And from that point on, this fear has been inside of us. So God has placed in, in His design a fear within us, and some of that fear is a healthy fear. Now, you're looking at one guy that I have no use for snakes. Period. The only snake, and I see people with them around their neck and, and crawling down their arm. If they ever come towards me to show me that snake, they better look out if I've got a gun because I'm going to shoot the snake. <laughs> and then you can take it wherever you want to take it. I have no use for a snake. Then there are people that are definitely afraid of spiders. Anybody afraid of spiders? I'm not, so much, I'm not so much afraid of them if I can see them where I can step on them. But I don't want to crawl around with them. But you got, you got snakes and you, and you got spiders and, and they're healthy fears because both of those things can hurt us. In fact, both of them can kill us. There's types of spiders that, that can take your life away from you. But there, there are some, uh, going along with that healthy fear, we also teach our children to be very much aware of strangers that are around them. You don't go talk to them. You don't, you don't uh, go anywhere with them. And so we, we identify this thing of strangers as a fear where the child says, somebody speaks to them, they back up and they back away. Then you begin to teach them when they can and when they cannot. So that's a healthy fear, along with these other type fears that we have here. God places in us what, uh, what I, I call an instinct. And every one of us have it in certain ways. If you've been on a job very long, you have an instinct about what's going on in that job. It, it it's not ha doesn't have to be anything that happens to you. There's an instinct. You know, people have asked me, and I'm, I'm sure they've asked Joe the same thing, you know, aren't you ever afraid when you walk up to a car? Aren't you ever afraid when you go into uh, a, a house or whatever? And the answer is, Sometimes, no, I'm, I'm not, but there is an instinct. 
when you realize there's something wrong here. And you use that instinct so that you will be safe. So there are healthy fears. But there are fears that harm us. There are a lot of phobias that harm us. I, w- I was going to share some of the phobias with you, but I can't pronounce them things. You ought to look it up sometime. I, I looked up the 10 most uh, top 10 phobias today. And, and there's phobias for everything. And if I could have pronounced them for you, I would have, but I can't. And I'm not going to try. Look it up. No, that's not it. Google it. Don't look it up. You Google it. And, and read about all these, these different fears. And, and we've got a fear of, of 2020 now. And, and we, we've got a fear, of course, the, the fear that goes along with, with sicknesses and, and all types of different things. And all of these fears can be harmful to us. But one fear that you and I should relish, and that is the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of Him. The fear of the Lord is being living in awe and respect of Almighty God. I stand in awe of God. He is God. I'm not. And I stand in awe of who He is and, and the things that He does. And we respect it. We respect Him because of, of the fact that He is God and He sent His Son and we have the Spirit that is with us. Now, I'm not... I'm not much of an electrician. In fact, I'll turn every breaker off in the house just to change a fuse or something. But I've watched electricians over the years. And you know, they're not afraid of that, but they have a deep, healthy respect of electricity. And so they're very, very careful. And folks, if you are a child of God, We don't have to be afraid of God, but let's be very, very careful how we treat God. That's the kind of fear that God wants us to understand. Some of these phobias that that we talk about, these phobias that that debilitate us. Do you know what I, I think they ought to list as a phobia today that we need to stay away from? The news media. They they become a phobia. And you know why? Because they arouse fear in people. That's all it's about. If they can keep people afraid, then people keep listening. And people keep keep, uh, trying to figure all of this out. and And it's gone so far beyond us. Now, I'm not saying it's not true because I know it is. But what I am saying is, We don't have to put ourselves in a position where we begin to doubt that Almighty God can do anything about what's going on today. Until we do, our strength is not going to be what it ought to be. I don't know about you, but my parents, I've heard both of them say time and time again, and in fact, it's one of those that you say, I'll never say that, but you said it all the time to your kids too. You know better than that. You ever hear that? You know better than that. That come right before they slapped you. Can't do that anymore, but my mother never read that book. 
You know better than that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah, I got it. And then you get this, just do what you know you're supposed to do. Do what you know you're supposed to do. When you say, what, what am I supposed to do? You know what to do. You know how to do it. Well, sometimes that was true. Sometimes maybe it's not. But let me tell you this. When it comes to living for God, when it comes to the Scripture, when it comes to serving Him, He has shown us, told us, what to do. And sometimes I think God just kind of looks at us and says, you know what to do. Just do it. Now when we think about the strength that you and I need today, and you'll notice the title of the message, our strength to make it in, in this coming year, our strength to move forward from all of this that, that is, come, is behind us now, but, but still trailing us. Our strength is in what we know. Because God has told us so much uh, in, his, in His Word, we know what we're supposed to do. And if you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking about your relationship with God and you say, you know, I really don't know what to do, you've got a problem there. And here's the problem. If you know God, you're going to know what to do. But the first thing you better do is find out, do you really know God? Do you know His Son as your Savior? Do you know the power of His Spirit that God gave to us to teach us and to guide us? Do you know that? If you're a child of God and you say, I don't know that, it's because you haven't been in this book to find out what has God told us that we know. We want to, you want to gain strength for this new year? We've got to use what we know. And Paul has outlined that for us. And we're, we're looking at, at verses 6 through 14. But there's three things I want you to see here. We're talking about those, those three things that, that help uh, keep us strong and do the things of God. But look at verse 6. As Paul is writing to his little friend Timothy, and we all know that this book is the last book that Paul wrote, and he is encouraging Timothy to maintain his strength in God as he ministers in Ephesus and as he takes care of the church and the other churches that he is a part of, and not to be afraid of those uh, the false teachers that are going, to, are going to come against him. And so he, he, he speaks of Timothy uh, very kindly in the first five verses, but in verse 6 he says, Because of this now, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Now, the last part of that is basically like we would call an ordination. And Paul uh, would pray over Timothy, and he, and he did when Timothy began, and he would put his hands on him, and he would pray over him, and then he would send him out. So there's nothing magical in what Paul said there. That's basically what that is. But the thing that Paul said to him was, put in remembrance and stir up the gift of God. 
Now that word stir up means to rekindle, to relight the fire, and to set it ablaze. Now let me mention something that I think all of us will agree on. If you, if you have a fireplace or if you've ever had a campfire, you can have a roaring blaze going and you can take out one of the logs and you can take that log and you can pull it out and sit it to the side and this fire will continue to go, but that will burn out because it doesn't have the fire to keep it blazing. Now, I'm going to just mention this to you, and you let God speak to you. Folks, the church is the fire. And if you pull yourself away from the fire and put yourself over here thinking that you can do this by yourself or thinking that you can do it away from the church, I'm going to tell you something. You will lose the fire. I didn't say you'd lose your salvation. You'll lose the fire. It takes all of us together to burn. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes all of us. And so what Paul said here was, now, Timothy, you're in this church. I'm, I'm about to die. You know it, and I know it. And that's why Paul writes this book. So here's the first thing that Paul says to him. He says, Timothy, rekindle the fire of remembrance. Now, that's what I want you to do with me quickly this morning. It's just to kind of rekindle your fire of remembrance. Remembering the things that God has done for you. So first of all, we need to set ablaze this genuine faith that God has given to us. And what am I talking about? Go back up into the previous verses, verse 4 and verse 5. Paul talked about greatly desire to see you, being mindful of your tears, and uh, that I can be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, that strong, undeniable faith that's in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I believe that faith is in you, then Timothy, remember what God has done for you. And dear Christian friend, we need to set on fire the memory of what God has done for us. You know, listen to me, you know that God has placed His faith in you. You're here and you can say, I know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Folks, you know God has put faith inside of you or you never would have done that. God built that faith in you and then He gave you His Word and the power of the Spirit. You heard the Word. The Spirit drew you into the presence of God. That faith was building in you and you said, I need Jesus and you were saved. You know that. You know it. So basically, Paul said, Timothy, live like you're supposed to. You know what to do here. Now, it could have been come from your family. It could have come from friends. It could have come from somewhere else. But it came from the faith that God put in you. You know the faith that God has put in you. You know the gift that God has given to you. And that gift must be used. If you have been born again, received Christ as your Savior, 
You have a spiritual gift. All right. All right. And I, I, I love people that try to be so humble and they say, no, preacher, I just don't have a gift. And I like to say, oh, yes, you do. God has put at least one gift in every born-again child of God because you're here to carry out the gospel, to take the gospel and to share it with the lost and dying world. So he has given you a gift. Now, you may not have the gift of prophecy or preaching. You may not have the gift of music, singing. You may not have the gift of instruments to play but you have other gifts and there are many gifts that are lifted in the scripture and those gifts apply to you just like they apply to me and listen to what Paul said Timothy set on fire in you the fact that you have a gift and use that gift and let it blaze to the glory of God and you say but preacher I just don't know how to find my gift. Well, I'm going to share a verse of scripture with you. And if you want to write it down, you can. It's Isaiah 1 and verse 16. And I want you to listen to what Isaiah heard from God as he's writing to, uh, to Israel during the, the captivity of the Assyrians. And he writes, and in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Folks, you want to know what your gift is? Sit down and listen to God. Come to me, he said. Let's reason this thing together. And you say, but I, I can't talk to God. Yes, you can. He's your father. It's very easy to talk to him. Come talk to him. Let him reason with you. He won't make fun of you. He won't say, oh, surely you know it. Go figure it out. He will sit with you and he will show you and he will teach you and he will guide you. He will empower you. He will help you and your gift will become a blaze in your life when you reason it out with God. You know what that gift is and God will use that gift with you. You know that God wants to give you the desire of your heart. If you don't, read Psalms 37, 4. The desire of my heart. If we have that kind of heart, then God says, I'll give you the desire of your heart. And you say, man, that sounds great. I desire a new house. I desire a new car. I desire uh, to, to do this and do this and do this. That's not what he means. What he means is, when you and I are willing to cleanse our hearts and get our hearts right with God, our desire becomes his desire. And he will give you the desire when you learn to tune yourself in with God. And what God desires is your desire in your life. You know that. You know your faith. You know the gift. You know that God will give you that desire. He says, be still. Listen to me. And then obey me, and you get the desire of your heart. You know that God's suffering in this world comes from knowing Jesus as your Savior. You know that? And the world is after you because it's after Him. But folks, 
we suffer for the glory of God. You know that. That's what he said. Be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel in verse 8. You know that. Who has saved us. Verse 9. Look at verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his purpose. His grace given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Set ablaze not only the faith that God has given, but the truth of your salvation. You know that you've been called by God for salvation. There's not a person that's ever come into this world that did not receive the light of Jesus Christ in his life. You know, you know that he has come to save you, and you know that he wants you to share his kingdom. You know that the Holy Spirit has drawn you to him, and that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you know that the purpose of his call is for us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. You know that. If we're not doing that, then we are falling so short of God's glory. We are falling so short of the things that God wants for our life. You know that you've been saved. And you know that God wants you to live a holy life. You can't live a holy life as an ember out here. Because that ember will die off. It will grow cold. And it will be useful. For nothing. God has saved you and called you to a holy calling. Set ablaze the truth of your salvation because you know it. Set ablaze the remembrance of what Christ has done for you. The victory that we have. Remember what he's done. Verse 10. But is now made manifest. He's talking about Christ coming to us by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and has brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. You know that Christ has come to be your Savior. You know that. Live like that. Live as if Christ is your Savior. That He came to Bethlehem. That's what we just celebrated. And He came that He might give us life. You know that Jesus has gained the victory over Satan by dying on Calvary. You know that, don't you? You know that. Jesus conquered him. Jesus won the victory. And you say, but Satan is still out there. Yes, he is. But Jesus is still alive. And he beat him on that cross. And then Satan walked around the tomb. And he laughed because the tomb was sealed. And he turned around twice. And the stone was gone. And said, where is he? And the angel said, he's not here. He has risen. You know that. Live in the power of God who has conquered death, who has conquered Satan, the enemy that's out to destroy us. And that enemy is propelling all this mess that's going on right now and the fear that's rising up in us. Folks, I know it's real. I know it's going on. But I really and truly believe with all of my heart that if the people of God would get on their faces before God and turn this thing back over to God and begin to live for Him, I'll guarantee you Satan and all of his minions would be defeated and then have to go figure out something else. Set it ablaze. You know. Kindle it. Set it on fire, the remembrance of your faith, your salvation, and the victory that Christ has won for you. <clears throat> the second thing I want you to see is this. Not only rekindle the fire of remembrance, but reclaim your power over fear. 
Now, all of us know verse 7. Look at verse 7. All of us know it. All of us understand it. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Once again, I want to share with you a verse of Scripture out of Isaiah. It's in chapter 12 and verse 2. Listen to what Isaiah said. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I'm going to read it again. Behold, God is my salvation. Do you believe that? I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord, Jehovah, is my strength, my song, and He is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. I've said for the last nearly year now, I'm going to do my best to be so careful and not get you sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't want anybody else to get sick. But I'll be John Brown if this thing is going to define who we are as a church and the people of God. We're not going to let that happen. It can't define us because we are defined by the Spirit of Almighty God that lives within us. Reclaim the power over fear. How do you do that? First of all, understand this. Sovereign God gives you the power to endure. We're enduring, and He gives us the power to endure. And you know that to endure, we must make sure and know that Jesus is our friend. How many of you, when you were growing up, how many of you had a best friend? Just a really best friend. How many, how many secrets did you share with that friend? How much did you learn about that friend? How often did you say, well, uh, my friend wouldn't like that. Or my friend doesn't, wouldn't do that. Or my friend this. Or that. We, we knew that friend. We knew all about them. They knew all about us. And we'd share secrets together and we'd talk together. We'd get mad at each other, but we'd always come back together. When you think about that kind of friendship, understand this. Jesus said, I don't no longer call you servants, I'll call you friend. Jesus wants to be your friend. Now guess what that means? He knows everything about you. He wants you to know everything about him. He wants you to know what he's done. He wants you to know what he's doing. He wants you to know what he's going to do. And Jesus makes sure that we understand we are friends with him. God has sent him. Yes, he's our Savior. Yes, he is Almighty God, but he is our friend. He knows us, and we know him. If you want the power to endure, trust your friend, and he'll be a friend to you. You know God is not going to give us the spirit of fear. Now, let's make this simple because you know this. If God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, who gives us the spirit of fear? Satan does. That's where it comes from. So we stand against Satan who is trying to tear us down in serving God. He gives us a spirit of fear, but God doesn't want us to have the spirit of fear, but he wants us to have the spirit of power. God wants us to reverence him. God wants us to worship him. God wants us to lay before him and give everything that we've got to him. 
You know, it's real easy to say, well, I'm going to do this for God. And then all of a sudden things aren't going well and, and it doesn't fit your needs and, and this. So you back up and you say, well, I'm going to go do something else now because God's not really in this and God doesn't care about me doing that and so on and so forth. And we just kind of walk away and throw up our hand. That's not what God wants us to do. Folks, if God's given you something to do, you better do it. I listened to David Jeremiah this morning. He's talking about Noah. And one of the things he said was, he said, for 120 years, Noah pounded nails. 120 years. Because he walked with God. He had work to do for God. And he didn't stop in the middle and say, I'm tired of this. He didn't quit and say, I don't care what happens to these people because he would have died himself. Folks, God's given you a gift and God has given you a ministry and God has given you something to do. Don't quit in the middle of it and say, I'm throwing up my hands. God's given you the power to serve him and to endure. His spirit will deliver you. His spirit will uh, strengthen you. His spirit will will give you uh, courage. Because he's given you the spirit of power. Power. That's what he said there. You have power in him. The sovereign God has also given us love that will keep us from fear. The Apostle John, I think, is one of, the, one of the, my, my favorite writers in the Scripture. And in 1 John 4.18, John said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment he that fears is not made perfect in love you know God's is love and his love is the avenue for our service he didn't come to destroy he came to build us up he came to love us and we need to love him God's love convicts us of the false teachings and the jealousy that's going on all around us in our churches and all around us today. God's love convicts us. God's love leads us through the fear of the last days. People still live in fear. Say, boy, I don't know about uh, what's going to happen if, if the Lord comes. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what, this, what you do. It's real easy. You find Jesus as your Savior and you know that you know that you know that he's your savior. And I'll guarantee you, you don't have to fear the last days. That's right. That's right. Because keep in mind, the coming of the Lord Jesus for his church can come at any time. No prophecies, nothing else. It's imminent. Every moment that you live, he could come back. I don't want to be left behind, do you? He loves us so much that he's given us a spirit of love that we don't have to fear. So he says, I haven't given you the spirit of fear. I've given you power. I've given you love. I've given you a sound mind. It's self-control. Sound judgment, he said. Discipline yourself. Keep yourself holy. You know what you're supposed to do. Don't yield into that sin. Don't yield to that lust. Don't let Satan drag you away. You know what to do. God opens a door for you. Follow the door. God will grant you wisdom. He'll guide you to maturity, wholeness. That's what God wants from us. You know that. And we need to apply those things to our lives and stand up and serve God. You know God will help uh, give you a healthy fear. 
not a harmful fear. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, uh, writing from his prison cell, began to, began to talk about rejoicing in the Lord. And again, he says rejoice. He tells us to pray. And then he says this, finally, brethren, whatever are true, whatever are honest, whatever are just, whatever are pure, whatever are lovely, whatever of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Get your mind right with God. You know how to do that. Yield it to Him. Give it to Him. God doesn't want us living in fear. Reclaim your power over His fear. You've got the power through God. Rekindle the fire of your remembrance of all that God has done for you. And then the last thing I want you to see, we need to rejoice in the things you know, you know. Look at verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My question with that verse is always this. You believe that verse? How many of you believe that verse? You know whom you believe? Do you? Okay, now let me ask you something. You to be honest. Do you believe whom you know? If you do, you wouldn't worry. If you do, you wouldn't be fretting. If you do, you wouldn't be living in fear. Do you? Believe the one you know. Now, I've got some verses I want to leave with you that the Scripture teaches us that we know. What do we know? And if you want to write them down, I hope you will. Because I'm going to, I'm going to show you these verses, and, and I want you to understand what these verses are saying to you as well as to me. And the first one is the one that we just, we just talked about. And you need, you need to keep this thing circled in your Bible. First of all, notice the, the phrase, I'm not ashamed. If we don't really truly trust and know God, then we have to live in shame. I know whom I believe. I'm persuaded he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. So if I know him, I know him and I trust him. Now, there's another verse I want to put with this. It doesn't have the phrase I know in it, but it goes right along with what he said here in that he is able, and that's Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is what? Able. You think God can take care of this world? You think God can take care of our fears? You think God can take care of us? He's able, folks. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He's able. I know that because I know whom I have believed. The next verse I want you to see is this. John 8, 32. We all know this one. And you shall what? Know the what? Truth. You know it. You know what's true. You know what he said to you. You'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Free from the fear that is overwhelming us and overcoming us. You know that. You know the truth. The next one. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I don't know much, but I know 
that one of these days I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus because he's my Savior. And I know when he saved me, and I know that he saved me, and I know that I'm a child of God. And you can know that you have eternal life when you believe in Jesus. 1 John 5, 13. The next verse, John 17, 13. This is the Lord's Prayer. John 17, 3, I mean. And this is eternal life that you might know. Notice this. That you might know the only true God. There's only one. And Jesus Christ whom he sent. What is eternal life? Knowing God, the only one true God. And knowing his son, Jesus Christ, that came to give us life. That's eternal life. You know that. You know that's where it comes from. <coughs> John 17, 3. The next one. Romans 8, 28. Our favorite verse. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them which are called according to his purpose. We know that God's at work. We know that God's working for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? You know that. It doesn't say that God is always going to work for your good. It says that God's working for good. But what he works for good for you, he works for glory to him. He gets the glory. We get the good part. You know that. 1 John 3, 14. You know that you pass from death unto life because you, believe, because you love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. You can't hate. You can't not love and say, I, I, I love Jesus. We love Jesus. We love everybody else. And we know that we pass from death unto life when we learn what love is really all about. We know that. And we know that we pass from death unto life. The next one, 2 Corinthians 5, 1. For we know, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle is destroyed, we've got a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. We know that we have a, a building made of, uh, by God, a house not made with hands. We know that this earthly house is going to be destroyed. you understand that? This old thing's going to rot. And if Jesus comes to get me, I'm going to slip right out of these clothes. And right into a robe of righteousness. And I'm going to glory. We know we have a place made for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. I can't wait. I can't wait. We know that we're going to be like him. We know that he shall appear. You see that? We know he's going to appear. He's already said he's coming back. We know it. He's on his way back. You know that? One more verse. This is the last one. Job, probably the first book ever written. For I know, Job said, my Redeemer lives and shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. I know it. And I'm going to tell you something here today, friend. I know it too. Do you know it? You know it. I know it. You know what to do. I know what to do. Here's the first thing to do. You must know that you know Jesus is your Savior. Now, you can't, you can't go through wondering. Just, just think for a moment and ask, ask, listen to the Lord. I've never asked Jesus into my heart. 
I was baptized, I did this, I did that. None of these things can save you. Churches can't save you. I can't save you. But Jesus can. And if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and forgive your sins and save you, you better check up. You've got to, first of all, know that you've been saved. And once you know you've been saved, then you need to know that God will live through you and God will bless you. And God will not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, God's Holy Spirit is convicting you of your need for a Savior today. I'm asking you to open your heart in faith and pray this prayer with me. Believing that Christ is going to do what you ask him to do as you pray. Dear Father, I know I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. If you prayed that prayer with me, God bless you. Nobody's looking. Get up and come. If you're in the middle of a pew, just step out. Get everybody to move. Come on down here because you need to know Jesus. You want to pray that prayer, I'll pray it with you. Come on down here. We'll pray it together. You need a church home by letter, by statement for baptism. You need to come and say, this is what God wants. This is what I'm going to do. You come right now, trusting Christ, knowing what you need to do. Do it. For the glory of God. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. Speak to us. Bless us today, Father, in this invitation. May you have victory in Jesus' name. As we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come. Come now. Come quickly to him.